LF podcast, where we're focused on fashion, fitness, and of course food. This podcast is all about bringing these three parts of your life together to help you get the most out of your passions. We're here to help you look your best, feel great, and also indulge in some maybe not so hidden temptations. <laughs> we are by no means experts in any of these fields, but we do hope to bring people to the show who know what they're talking about and can help you with some of these aspects of your life. You only live once, so why not live a life worth living? On the show today, we have Maggie Gillette, fashion and lifestyle writer and expert in the fashion industry. She is a designer of The Giving Bride, which is a luxury lingerie brand out of New York City, and also is the co-founder of The Lingerie Selection, which is an exclusive trade show showcasing luxury lingerie, lounge, and swimwear in New York fashion. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation as we chat about the trends that just came out at the 2022 Fall New York Fashion Week. Enjoy. On the show today, we have Maggie Gillette, fashion and lifestyle writer and the designer of The Giving Bride and co-founder of Lingerie Select. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm really excited about our conversation. You are uh, pretty close to what we'd call an expert in the fashion industry out in New York, having a lot of experience going to the shows at New York Fashion Week, uh, something I have yet to experience. So I'm really excited to kind of you know, pick your brain about all those things. So tell us, what do you do in one to two sentences? So I'm a former designer, and now I'm a freelance writer and expert. So I write about the latest in fashion and beauty, some uh, lifestyle and design as well. And then I provide expert commentary for articles, podcasts, and uh, even occasionally on television. Um, but yeah, let's kind of start from the beginning. How did you kind of get into fashion, being a lifestyle writer, etc.? Yeah, I was I was always interested in fashion, um, even when I was really young. So. It was always something I wanted to do. I didn't end up going to design school for college, but after college, I sort of kept making my way back. I studied um, at London College of Fashion for a summer doing an intensive program. I took some classes at Columbia in um, Chicago and at the Art Institute. So I, was, I always kept coming back, and I ended up being asked to do some illustrations for a company, and that's sort of how I got started. I ended up joining them and deciding to move to New York to start my own uh, lingerie line, The Giving Bride, uh, which has closed with the pandemic and becoming a mom. And so that's sort of when I switched. I'd actually been writing for a few years. I started covering New York Fashion Week um, about six years ago, and that was the way I got into writing about fashion. I just, I loved it. I'd always loved magazines, so it was a really logical evolution of my fashion career. And I've been just growing my freelance writing portfolio and growing my um, expertise since then. So we just wrapped up fall 2022 New York Fashion Week. Um, I'm sure it was absolutely amazing. A lot of things were probably really exciting. Uh, but what was it like? Were, were things kind of back to normal? Obviously, been going through a few things as a, a nation and kind of all around the world with pandemic and the way people were acting. What were kind of like your first initial thoughts on getting back out there? It seems like things are moving back toward um, a state of normal, which, you know, Previously, last year, the last couple of years has been very hectic. People, you know, aren't really sure what 
they're supposed to be doing. And there's definitely sort of a heightened anxiety um, around it, whereas now it feels like we can go back to focusing on the fashion aspect, the creativity, and having a little less concern about COVID since now, you know, we seem to be in a more um, state of status quo with that. So I have to admit, you know, I do have a, a podcast on fashion. I'm here in Chicago. I've never had the chance to actually get out to uh, New York Fashion Week, but a lot of friends have walked. A few friends have shown their designs there, and obviously quite a few friends have attended. Um, but tell us what it would be like for someone coming to Fashion Week for their first time. What are, what are they in for? I mean, Fashion Week is, is pretty insane, honestly. Um, I mean, it depends on how many shows you're going to and what you're doing. But, you know, at the height of uh, pre-pandemic, when I was writing, you know, I'd be going to six shows a day and turning in six articles a day um, for that. So I was working for a, a group in the UK, a publisher in the UK. So I was literally going for shows all day writing in between, like running to find the best place that had Wi-Fi. I knew all the coffee shops and restaurants around the venues where I could get a good Wi-Fi signal and log in and do work for a couple hours before running to the next show. A lot of times I was out to show until you know, 10 p.m. until midnight, and then I was getting my next day assignments, checking my email at like 4 o'clock in the morning to get up and do it all again. Um, so it's very, it's definitely a 24-7 kind of week. Like I felt like I never saw my husband when I was selling Fashion Week. I was just passing in and out of the apartment. Um, but, you know, there's a ton of energy around it. There's a ton of opportunities for people to network and talk to other people who are passionate about the same things that you are. You know, I know that there's there's a lot of good things about having everything digital in terms of making it more um, equal for people who aren't located in New York to be able to see the shows in real time and be able to experience some of it. But there, there is an energy to being there that can't be, can't be replicated from the online. And I know that when I was, when we were wading back into the sort of hybrid events in the last couple of seasons, that was sort of an agreement in the other, with the other people I talked about and we were talking about the evolution of Fashion Week over the last few years. This year was your first year actually not being on site in New York for New York Fashion Week. You were alluding to a little bit earlier, delivering six or seven articles per day. But because of a few things um, that came up, you're actually here in Chicago with me, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, what, what was it kind of like being different? You know, a lot of people watch shows on Instagram or live feed, whatever, but then sometimes they're actually at the shows. What are kind of some of like the major differences that people will experience being at a part of New York Fashion Week opposed to just viewing it online? Absolutely. And, you know, in some ways it's sort of like live theater. It you know, you you can watch a movie, but there's a different sort of energy to watching people on stage to watching other people react in real time to the clothing that comes out and to seeing the way people dress for the shows because street style is quite a thing. So, you know, seeing people out and about getting uh, photographed in their interpretations of trends and their outfits is always like, it's, it's a really a 360 experience of seeing sort of both trickle up and trickle down trends. So, you know, it's more than just watching clothes walk down the runway. 
let's dive right into it. What were some of the trends and new styles that you're seeing coming out of the fall 2002 New York Fashion Week? I know you touched a little bit on already, kind of doing the street style stuff, people taking pictures on the streets. Uh, but what are kind of some of the trends that you're seeing, some of your, your immediate takeaways from the, the first couple of days of New York Fashion Week? So coming up, I, we're seeing like a lot of head-to-toe looks. So like suiting with you know jackets and pants, particularly like a lot of tailoring, which was an interesting trend because the last few seasons has been not at all about workwear, obviously, because most people have been working from home. So this is a real departure from some of the things we've been seeing the last few seasons. Um, the tailoring, the, the suiting, um, we're still seeing sort of the evolution of the sort of Barbie core slash all pink that we saw at Valentino over the summer. There's a lot of head to toe neon, not just pink, also a lot of other citrus colors, which we saw last last spring as well. Um, that's carried through in terms of you know, neon green, neon orange, like very bright, joyful colors. And I think that's sort of reflective of the way people are feeling about getting out and having fun again and, you know, feeling less constrained after, you know, several years of a really subdued culture in general. People are ready to to go out and kick up their heels a little bit. And, you know, these, these bright color clothes reflect that. Um, and then also, oh, go ahead. Do you think a lot more of these kind of fashion trends, um, even like streetwear, et cetera, we kind of already touched upon, um, or even just more business formal, are kind of because people are going back into the offices or people getting out and about? What are kind of like your quick thoughts there? Absolutely. Absolutely. Nothing in fashion happens in a vacuum. So, you know, people have sort of that same feeling of like, it's time to get out of the house. Um, and then the other thing is sort of the like baggy pants which we're starting to see as, you know, there's been the whole, like, move away from skinny jeans. We're seeing even more extremes of that baggy pants, the cargo pants, um, both on the runway and off the runway. And interestingly, we saw all three of those trends, but particularly the baggy pants and the head-to-toe bright colors um, off the runway in the street style as well. So there, there's a lot of synergy between what's happening on the runway this season and what's happening on street style. It was definitely super cool seeing a lot of the uh, the new styles and kind of trends that are out there, right? Kind of exactly what you're mentioning here with the baggy pants and all those kind of like new fresh looks, I guess, even though things are cyclical. Uh, it's really cool kind of that that's the up and coming new look. Um, is that something we're expecting to see here in the next couple of days, next couple of weeks? When are we kind of expecting that be an on-trend, on-point situation for people who are actually purchasing these different garments? So we're already looking for, these trends are for technically for spring, summer 2023. So even though we're moving into cold weather now, these are for next summer because this is, you know, fashion week is supposed to be about buyers for the stores looking at what they're buying for the upcoming season. Of course, now with the internet, and I think this is also why you see some more of the reflection of what's happening at street style is happening on the runway at the same time. There's sort of, we've lost that sort of gap in time. But I think, you know, you you definitely don't need to go out and buy a new wardrobe every season. That's not sustainable. Um, I think there's a lot of things, you know, right, and, and it's not sustainable financially, it's not good for the environment. But I think there's a lot of things we can take away from this. I mean, I'm sure a lot of us still have some bright colored clothes in our closet that can look 
great. You can always have something, you know, that you used to have retailored. You know, if you have a, a dress and you think, oh, I'm not going to wear this long dress again, you can have it made into a short version. And uh, now you've got, you know, a bright colored dress that's completely on trend, you know. So I think that that's, I think that the relaxed pants, um, you know, personally, like I'm not going to wear a huge cargo pant. It's not me. But I may go ahead and wear, you know, and we all have to make, we all have to make our realistic decisions. But, you know, I, I think I'll wear, you know, a slightly looser pant, a slightly more 90 style pant. You know, I, I like to save jeans for if they still fit because trends come and go and they're very cyclical. So like, you know, the, the jeans that you were wearing 10 years ago might be the jeans that you want to wear today. Um, so if you have the space, I always recommend saving like basics like that that are high quality um but i think you know looking for some bright colors to inject into your wardrobe you don't have to go head to toe color if you don't want to you can wear a bright colored sweater with pants you already own with a skirt you already own and still have that as a nod to the trend um you know if you're looking for new pants i think maybe you want to try a looser fit and you know i think also post pandemic people are used to wearing sort of more athleisure so not only is it a nostalgic trend to sort of the 90s vibe, it also is probably a trend of, well, you know, nobody's used to wearing real jeans anymore. Everybody's been wearing leggings and sweatpants. So it sort of serves a dual purpose of being a little more loose and casually comfortable as well. People always say, um, was it that, you know, fashion is cyclical, you know, old styles etc kind of come back from back in the day is that something we're kind of seeing now or what are are kind of your your thoughts there i have some great vintage dresses from the 90s some pieces from laundry which i don't think exists the brand exists anymore but i have some silk slip dresses from them that are 20 years old 25 years old and they look amazing and you know i get compliments every time i pull them out of my closet in fact, some of them I even got secondhand. So they're swifted and they're vintage, and I've had them for long enough that they're vintage again for me. Um, and they come back, and, and it's a great, sustainable, and inexpensive way. I mean, one of these is a silk dress I got for $10 um, at a store up off of Belmont. And, you know, it's like a great way to bring back a trend. I love, I love going and checking out what you can find out at a secondhand store. It's a great way when trends come back around to find them at a really affordable price and a really environmentally friendly way. Circling back to the comment earlier about bright colors are really on trend right now. Uh, how, how does that kind of affect people who are actually going to be purchasing uh, different things, trying to fit in with the new up and coming on point fashion aspects and styles right now? Or like, what should people be thinking about when looking at kind of understanding what's going to be in uh, coming you know, here, fall and spring, et cetera. So I don't tend to wear tons of color. I tend to have a pretty monochromatic. I wear a lot of black. Even before I moved to New York, I wore a lot of black. So I like a really strong silhouette. Like I've never met a giant sleeve I didn't like. Um, I love capes. I own more capes than any person you've ever met. I designed capes when I had a line. And they're just, you know, they're what could be more dramatic, not much. Um, so I like things that are really extreme. I love a good over-the-knee boot. I love a ridiculously high heel. Um, 
you know, something that's going to make someone turn and sort of and sort of look and think, okay, that's interesting. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be everyone's cup of tea. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people think a lot of things that I've worn in the past are pretty ridiculous. I'm completely comfortable with that. Um, I don't, I'm not concerned at all about if someone else likes what I'm putting on in the morning. Um, so, you know, I just, yeah, I like, I like a really strong silhouette. I like something that's going to make people think, even if it's not, oh, I think I should go buy that. <laughs> but, you know, something that, that says like, oh, she, she put some thought into that. She's trying to say something with this outfit. Um, you know, I think it's sort of clothing can sort of act as that, uh, first impression and that sort of ambassador for how you feel for the day. You know, if you're feeling really happy and you're wearing a bright color, you can really channel that. If you're feeling really strong, you can put on like a giant shoulder and people are going to sort of react differently to you. So, you know, I, I like a I like a good, strong, polarizing silhouette. That's always something about fashion that uh, always kind of intrigues me i guess if, that, if that's the right word i know plenty of people that uh think they're super fashionable literally go around wearing i would say it's you know a business event and a male's per, male outfit wearing a really nice pinstripe suit checkered shirt and then like a diagonal tie but they're all like super expensive and so they think oh this is fashionable and then people who like look up to them or just look at it who don't wear something like wow that that looks great i should definitely want to wear something like that I mean, it makes it feel good, but sometimes it's an eyesore. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I think, you know, fashion is about what makes people like feel good in their own shoes, right? Yeah, absolutely. Fashion should be all about having fun. Like, you should definitely enjoy getting dressed, enjoy expressing yourself through fashion. So let's hop over to another hot topic in the fashion industry. It's kind of coming up all across runways and brand representation, but just sustainability um, and kind of where, where and how clothing is made. What are some of your thoughts kind of in that aspect of fashion? Yeah, I mean, sustainability is obviously a huge issue. I think the, the industry, smaller brands have actually been sort of talking about sustainability for a while because, you know, sustainability is also a smart business. Um, you, you don't want to have tons of excess product. And as a small brand, you can't, um, you know, you, you can't financially, you can't afford to have excess inventory. So I think, you know, sustainability is, is really important and it's gaining more traction, which is great because, you know, you hear companies like Patagonia just just divested of their company and it's now all profits are going to go to the environment. That's amazing. There are some companies out there who are doing incredible things towards sustainability. I think it's so important. You know, when I was running my brand, um, we were made in New York and we made sure that, you know, our, our, our garments were more expensive because we were paying people a good wage in New York city to make them by far, you know, the biggest expense was, paying the people who made our clothing. And I think it's really important that it's so great there's movements like who made your clothes that make people think about that. Because I think it's easy for us to think with all the technology these days that, you know, a machine just makes your, your t-shirt. And that's not the case. There's a human being behind that sewing machine. There are people touching your clothes at every point, you know, to create what you're creating. And if you're buying a $3 t-shirt, all of the people who were there to make that probably aren't making a living wage. Um, and I think that that's, that's something really important to consider, especially around issues like 
fast fashion. Um, you know, I really try to buy less things and buy better things and normalize rewearing things. And um, I just rewore like a favorite dress of mine that was, again, a thrifted dress to begin with. And I put it on the other day and I was like, this doesn't fit anymore. So I grabbed a pair of scissors and I cut the belted part off and I changed the silhouette and great. Now it's like a new dress. And, you know, instead of, instead of getting rid of it, I, you know, made it have a different silhouette and it looked like a brand new dress, even though it was a very old dress that I got that was a sample, you know, at a thrift store in New York. So I think, you know, taking care of clothing, I have clothes that are from high school in my closet. Um, you know, not thinking of clothes as being disposable, I think makes a makes a big difference. Um, you know, and looking a bit into the brands that you buy from. You know, I understand we can't necessarily all buy from completely there's no such thing as a completely sustainable brand anyway, but you know, no one is a perfect consumer, but we can think about better ways to consume and we can think about, do I really need 10 t-shirts or do I need two t-shirts from a more sustainable company? And these t-shirts that are probably going to last 10 times as long as one that's going to fall apart after two washes, more than 10 times as long, hopefully one that's going to fall apart after two washes. Um, so I think being a little bit more thoughtful about, the way that we consume fashion um, is really important. A lot of companies throw around, throw around the word sustainability and they say they're doing that or they're working with that or that's what their brand's all about. Um, how do consumers kind of know what brands are actually doing that or living by their word or even just really comprehending that, right? Like I could say I'm a sustainable brand because... I compost at home or something. I don't know, whatever. It's just, how, how do people really know if people are actually participating in the grand scheme of the word appropriately? Yeah, I mean, and there, there are issues behind sustainability. I mean, I, you know, there are some people who are really interested in just something being vegan. And if it's a petroleum product, if it's, you know, but if it's plastic, if it's not, if, that's, if your vegan leather is plastic, is is that an improvement? I mean, you know, fortunately, we're seeing some things like pineapple leather, you know, and different things made from mushrooms that are seem to be truly more sustainable options. But I think it's tough sometimes the way that things are marketed in fashion um, to be to make it seem as if something is more sustainable than it really is by by branding something like plastic as vegan leather. Or, um, you know, I think that there's some real, uh, there's no real regulations there, I guess, in terms of some of the things that, that are out there. And so I think it's hard for the average consumer, too. And, and something made overseas is not necessarily unethically made either. And something made, you know, in the U.S., unfortunately, may not be ethically made. So you have to do a little bit more research or have companies. Um, there are certifications out there so you can look into um, sustainable companies but you do have to do a little bit of research and um, unfortunately at this point that is kind of on the consumer to to see if they if companies have certifications um, in terms of fair labor and things like that fair trade but i think more people are getting more comfortable and more people are demanding more transparency um, 
behind some of these things is that really helps and it helps people, you know, just to understand what's going on with clothing. Cause I, I think it is one of those things that's just so easy for people not to think about when you can buy it in one click off the internet. Is uh, sustainability kind of, you know, scalable, right? Like, you know, you have large companies, you have small companies, all have different budgets for what they can use for inventory, for creating how many garments at a time, um, kind of storage, shipping costs, stuff of that nature. Like, is there kind of anything that like we should be aware of around that definition of sustainability? Well, and I think there's also, you know, one of the other interesting things that we, their online shopping has obviously increased with the pandemic. I think a lot of times people buy things and return them. A lot of the things that get returned aren't, this is not like when you go to your local store and say, oops, I bought the wrong size. I bought a medium. I need a large, you know, and they literally just exchange them for you. And that medium that you never wore, you know, can be, you know, sold as long as nothing happened to it. Um, a lot of clothes that get returned aren't, aren't going back into circulation. Um, they're, they're becoming waste. So I think that, you know, these are things that you don't think about as a consumer necessarily. Like once it's been picked back up by UPS, it's out of your life. And I think that that's, you know, the out of sight, out of mind part of fashion is I think where we see a lot of the waste going and, and coming from. So, you know, it's, it's easy to see something fun on a website and think, oh, I could wear this, you know, but maybe you could think, well, what's in my closet that I already have that I could turn into an interesting outfit? You know, how can I, maybe I can pair a top with a, a different set of pants and create a different proportion and, you know, make something interesting that way. You know, maybe I can, you know, tailor something. I can make a skirt shorter. I can, you know, turn that top that I never wear into a crop top. You know, you can look at different things. I can layer different things. That's actually one of the things I loved about the Tory Burch runway was the way that she styled things. There were so many things that were layered and you could see like someone buying some of these pieces and wearing them different ways, not just in, well, it's got to look exactly like it did on the runway. You know, oh, I can take this top and I can pair it with this. I can do different things with it so that it's not a one and done sort of piece. I think a lot of people really enjoy, you know, going to fashion shows, going to different events. Uh, it's all about the hype, what they saw. Nowadays, the videos they took, how many likes they got. <laughs> but uh, really, what are some of your recommendations for takeaways that people should think about after attending a fashion event specifically and what they should be doing to kind of stay in touch or just how they can actually capitalize on actually attending such an event? I think it's so important to stay connected to people that you met. I mean, I think that's one of the things, you know, that's great about like Instagram. I remember the first time I was at Fashion Week, like someone gave me like a physical business card and you can bet that I never reached out to that person again. I mean, because it just wasn't, it wasn't easy or natural. I mean, there just wasn't, what am I, you know, it was send an email that's like how nice it was to meet you. Um, you know, which really, that's, that's kind of awkward unless you really have something to say. It's, it's, it's tough to like do something like that. But, you know, that was 2012. So, you know, <laughs> things have changed. Um, and now, you know, 
you know, swap Instagrams. Let's follow each other. Let's keep connected. I've met so many great and inspiring people at Fashion Week, other writers, other designers, people who are really creating interesting things in the industry. And it's so wonderful to be able to follow them on Instagram, see what they're doing. And then there's a natural point of connection. You know, if they post something you like, you can say to them, oh, wow, that's a really cool thing or reach out to them about an opportunity, or reach out to them about collaboration. I think sometimes in the fashion industry, there's like a fear of, well, I don't want to show anyone my designs. I don't want to get, you know, knocked off by another designer. You know, and things like there's, there's, a, there's a lot of fear there. And while there is some validity to that, especially, you know, but the fear is probably more that you're, if you've got a really good design, you're going to be knocked off by a lot of designers. You're not going to be knocked off by the girl who's sitting next to you you know, at Fashion Week, who's also a designer, it's much more likely there's a point of collaboration going forward. So I think, you know, just staying connected with those people, they, you know, in my experience, like people were really willing to like help each other, whether it was around, you know, Fashion Week, because you would see the same people over and over again, someone, you know, can you save me a seat? Can you, you know, like, let me grab you a coffee. You look tired. I'm running to Starbucks, you know, kind of a thing versus, you know, being worried about someone stealing your IP, um, you know, so I think there's a lot of collaboration. I mean, I met women through the industry, you know, that I ended up starting a trade show with, and we barely knew each other when we started this and we built something we could never have built without each other. And I think that just maintaining those contacts, continuing to talk to people and, you know, taking a real interest in what other creatives in the industry are doing is an amazing way to stay connected and to grow your place in the industry as well. As you wrap up, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you if they wanted to stay in touch? Yeah, you can check my Instagram account out. I'm at the Maggie Gillette. Um, not to be pretentious, there was just someone else that was already Maggie Gillette on Instagram, so I had to add the B. Um, and you can you can reach out to me there. I check my DMs. Um, I'm pretty active on Instagram. I'm trying to get into TikTok. That's like my next thing, but the Instagram is probably the best way for people to reach me um, really easily. And I'm always happy to talk to other people who are starting out in the industry. I usually link to, you know, the latest articles that I've either contributed to or written. So yeah, that's a great place to find me. Awesome. Let's wrap with that. No, thanks so much for having me to chat. It was really a really nice time. This episode is sponsored by Why Not Petites. Exclusion is so last season. Why Not Petite is a group of petite models breaking barriers and societal norms in the fashion industry. Their mission is to give petite models of all shapes, sizes, and colors the opportunity to display their talents. They are petite models breaking barriers of style norms in the fashion industry. Through their combined knowledge and experience of the modeling industry, they help guide experienced and beginning petite models towards a confident start in their career. Their work includes opportunities for guest models to participate in professional photo shoots, networking connections with others in the industry, and access to top fashion photographers in the Chicagoland area. They hope to be a home base for models who are driving positive change for petites in the industry. I was actually ecstatic to partner with them for my fashion show in July of 2022. Multiple models from the Why Not Petite community walked in our runway show and left the audience in awe with their incredible grace and energy. 
definitely check them out at whynotpetites.com or hop on over to their Instagram and search up Why Not Petites. Tell them the 6-5 Lanky Podcast Dude sent you. Wink. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Pod Directory, or SoundCloud. That way, you'll get our latest episodes sent right to your device when they come out every week. For reference, those are all linked up right in the show notes. While you're in there, feel free to leave us a review. If you do, all I can say is two words. Endless gratitude. Writing reviews helps us understand how we can improve the podcast as we all continue along this fun adventure in fashion, fitness, and food. (laughs) 